Yeah, yeah. Ball so hard, you better believe me, it's scary. It's basketball at the bar with Calvin and Barry. So put a tip in the jar, cause these dudes can really fill it up. Whether it's buckets you need enough just a beer in a cup. We're here for fresh conversations, got some delicious libations. Subscribe to the channel and turn on the notifications. My boys, got you covered like you being guarded by pay. From the glove to the cloth, and everyone else in between. Calvin and Barry got everything that you need. So sit back, relax, because we're starting the show. It's basketball at the bar, grab your drinks and let's go. Yeah, yeah. Grab a drink and let's go. Subscribe to the channel and turn on the notification. Subscribe to the channel and turn on the notification. Let's get it. What up, ballers? Welcome to Basketball at the Bar. Join us live every weekday for the best NBA podcast here on YouTube, where the takes are hot and the drinks are cold. There's no dress code. And you can take us wherever you go. So pull up a stool, drop a like, and don't forget to subscribe. This is Basketball at the Bar. Grab your drinks and let's go. Calvin, uh, Mike's... Not, not all the drinks are cold. Pretty man. excited here in the chat. And yes, we have a lukewarm shot of Jameson <laughs> for you. It's not cold, but welcome into the show, everybody. We can't give it all away at the beginning. So we're going to make you wait, Mike. Uh, on Calvin doing the shot till later in the show. Uh, but hey, welcome in, Mike. Welcome in, Progressive G. Thank you guys all for joining us. Hopefully you had a wonderful weekend. Hopefully you were able to watch some basketball. And hopefully Monday is not too rough on you so far. It's only noon here in Hawaii, so we're just getting started. Uh, I know it's a little bit later on the East and the West Coast, so thank you guys for joining. We have a full show today. We're going to recap the weekend's games. We're going to give a couple injury updates on guys like Marcus Smart, Kyle Lowry, uh, Otto Porter Jr., and Gary uh, Payton. Um, also going to talk about John Wall rumors to the Clippers. Chris Paul, what's going on with him? We're going to talk about the Bucks and the Suns going fishing and what they need to do this offseason to get back to glory. Then we're going to give a little a brief preview of tomorrow's games before we end the show, as always with q and a it's a lot calvin that's a lot going it must on. be monday it must be monday but welcome into the show how was your weekend well my weekend was okay other than the fact that my bracket is officially done now so i'm still trying to come to terms with that barry wins the playoff bracket i mean i i got miami i don't have phoenix so I'm going to rip off half of my bracket because that one's done. But I still got I still got Miami going to the finals. So yep. we will see what happens there. And, guys, I do have to say it feels pretty good to win. Uh, I don't know if you've experienced it before, Calvin, but it feels pretty, pretty effing good. Dang, that shot's fired. <laughs> hey, I don't win that often, man. I got to enjoy it <laughs> while I can. All right, so let's jump here into the show. Let's talk about the weekend recap. We had no games on Saturday, two games on Sunday. Both surprising outcomes in these games. Both blowouts. Uh, I was 1-2 and two in these games. I know you were 0 for 2. Um, Big goose egg. But first game, Milwaukee heads to Boston for an exciting game seven. The series is tied 3-3. And Boston wins 109-81. Grant Williams, 
I think I was giving him some praise. He was, he was either a week ago or the week before that for stepping up and playing well defensively, uh, drawing a lot of charges, stuff like that. He played incredible offensively in this game, tied uh, a record for most threes made in a game seven. He continued shooting threes, didn't make any more. I know he wanted to break the record, but amazing performance for him, 27 points, uh, 25 points for Giannis in that game. Uh the Bucks just couldn't handle the Celtics at home, Calvin. Not in this game. The Bucks did win two games in Boston in this series. So it's not like they, the Celtics, either team dominated at home. Um, this game and this series came down to what we had talked about the whole way through. Yes, the battle of the stars was important. Giannis and Tatum, Holiday and Brown, all four of those guys played magnificent throughout the whole series but the teams that won got extra contributions right mm -hmm. nobody in a million years would have expected grant williams to attempt the most field goals in game seven for boston he attempted 18 threes in this game it's wild 18 threes and he made seven of them the bucks won this game by 28 points in game two at home in boston Boston wins by 23 points. Grant Williams, six threes off the bench, has 21 points in that game. So, And in both of those games, the Celtics made at least 23s. That's what it came down to. Milwaukee was going to give them open threes. They gave Grant Williams a million open threes, and they mm -hmm. said, you got to hit them to beat us, and they did. Yeah, uh, I mentioned 25 points for Giannis in this game, 20 rebounds. Nine assists, two steals, a block, five turnovers for him, unfortunately. He tried his hardest, um, and we saw oh, he him. he gave everything he had. Yeah, we saw him when he leaves the game, sits on the bench there, just the frustration uh, on his face and the realization. Because, you know, as fans, we get ahead of ourselves, right? And we, we're like, oh, they're done, blah, 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 this. They're not going to win another game. These players, they're really emotionally invested in these games to where – there's a point where you can see where they realize it's over and it crushes them. And a lot of them, it's it's not over till it's over, right? Like we've seen yeah. comebacks of 15, 20, 25 points or even more. So we saw him head to the bench and he just looked uh, over the season, basically. He wanted to move on. Um, Brooke Lopez, 15 points. 10 rebounds in this game. I had a, a friend, David, call me during the game and ask, why is Brooke Lopez not out there more? He played 37 minutes in this game, um, but he just has not seemed like the same guy these playoffs. 21 for Drew Holiday. Only three points for Wes Matthews. One point for Grayson Allen. 10 points off the bench for Bobby Portis. And then six other points off the bench out of, let's see how many guys here, one, two, three, four, five, six, eight guys off the bench not named Bobby Portis combined for six points. Yeah, very little bench production, and the, the Bucks struggled shooting so much. I mean, we can't say it enough how much they missed Chris Middleton in this series. The Bucks hit four threes in this game. They were four of 33, and all four of those threes came from Giannis, Brooke Lopez, and Bobby Portis. Those are three guys that are basically seven feet tall. Yep. Where is the help from the guards on this team? Wesley Matthews, I know that his primary role on this team is to play defense. But we've also seen him hit a ton of timely threes in the playoffs for the Lakers, other teams. He went 0 for 3. Grayson Allen 0 for 4. 
Um, they needed desperately one of these guards to come up and make some big shots for them, and they just could not get the production from any of them at, at any point in this series, really. Yeah, it's pretty obvious uh, they are missing Chris Middleton. Oh, and uh, that, I didn't even mention Drew Holiday, who went yeah. 0 for 6. Also, Dante DiVincenzo, I, I think they did miss him, or or at least the, the opportunity to have him there on the court. I agree with you, Ivan, um, here in the chat. Yeah, they did miss DiVincenzo and Progressive G. Yeah, if they had Chris Middleton, I, I think the Bucks would have won this series. Calvin had the Bucks going to the finals. I did not. I had them losing in the next round. But, yes, Chris Middleton is huge for them. He can get his own shot. He's a great shooter, great defender. Uh, he is the second-best player on this team, and they needed him if they were going to, going to advance. There were rumors that he was going to be available for Game 7, but unfortunately that's how injuries grow, go, right, mm -hmm. is you don't have control over how fast your body heals. And it's good news for the Boston Celtics. They advance. Um, looking here at Boston, you mentioned Grant Williams, 7 of 18 from three-point range, 27 points for him, just an amazing performance. 23 for Jason Tatum, 6, 10, and 6 for Al Horford. 11 points for Marcus Smart. We're going to talk about some injury concerns uh, regarding him. Also 10 uh, assists for him in this game. 19 points for Jalen Brown. And then 14 off the bench for Peyton Pritchard. He came in late in this game, nailed a couple threes. He was big, yeah. Uh, confidence is contagious in the NBA, right? And when when your guys are making threes and going up and down the court with some attitude and some swagger, it it, uh, it catches on. Oh, it does definitely catch on. And, yeah, I mean, when you're at home and you're up big, you, you get confident pretty quick. Yep, yep. Yeah, they end up winning this game by 27 points. Oh, no, 28, 28. points. Um, both games ended in big upsets, uh, which is pretty wild. We've seen a few times, uh, you know, throughout the playoffs, but not much in this Bucks boston series. Yeah. Most games are pretty close, but uh, once Boston saw the side of blood, they just kept going, kept making threes, and Milwaukee was just exhausted out there. Yeah, they were, and uh, you know, shout out to Giannis. He he did everything that he could in this series. The fact that Milwaukee was able to to extend this all the way to seven games without Chris Middleton, without really any help um, from most guys, not named Holiday or Antetokounmpo. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, Giannis is just he's a great player. First player in NBA history with at least two hundred points, one hundred rebounds, and fifty assists in a single playoff series. That's wild. Almost had a triple-double at halftime in this game. He, he is the last person to blame if you're Milwaukee. Yeah, yeah, we're going to talk about here in a little bit uh, what the Bucks can do to rebuild this offseason or uh, retool and hopefully get back to the finals next year. But before we move on, Calvin, to the Suns game, any other last thoughts about this Bucks celtics game? Just another unfortunate injury situation here. Like, you know, the injuries, unfortunately, are a big part of play a big role in playoff series. And it would have been very interesting to see how different things would have been if Chris Middleton was healthy for this entire series. Yep. It's part of the game. It is. It's part of the game. All right. Moving on to our second game of Sunday, also a game seven. We had a lot of exciting games this weekend. Uh, game huh. seven, exciting games in theory. Yeah, right? yeah. Before the game started, you were excited about it. That's true. Uh, this series <laughs> was tied three three, going back 
to Phoenix after Dallas uh, wins game six. Dallas ends up winning this game 123 to 90. Uh, this is a 33 point victory. Uh, you're right. It, they were looking good going into the games, and then both games just kind of like got out of control pretty fast. Uh, Dorian Finney Smith, only five points in this game, five for Reggie Bullock. Uh, and six for Dwight Powell. You look at those three guys and you're like, oh, maybe Dallas wouldn't have won this game. But Jalen Brunson, 24 points. Ever since I said he needed to step up, Calvin, the dude has stepped up and played much differently. Luka Doncic doing his normal thing, 35 points for him, uh, 10 rebounds, four assists, two steals, only two turnovers in this game. And then Spencer Dinwiddie. 30 points off the game bench. of his life. I remember somebody last week asked us who are the guys that we're looking towards that could have big upset performances. Spencer Dinwiddie was one of my guys. I did not pick him exactly for this game seven. I just, in, in general, I think that they needed more out of him and uh, they got it in this game and they get the win. They absolutely did. We, we had been saying that, you know, for the first couple games of this series when Phoenix looked like they were going to run away with it and sweep. Dallas. It was all about, uh, you know, Luca is playing phenomenal, but he's not getting any help. And Jalen Brunson and Spencer Dinwiddie had been so far in the playoffs the two guys that were helping carry the load for him the most. They, the three of them, combined for almost ninety points in this game. Yeah. And it's not just this game. Dallas, the the series swung, the pendulum swung so hard from one side to the other, from the beginning to the end. The game six and seven, the Mavericks won by a combined sixty points. I mean, it it just wasn't even close. Like, I I don't understand at all. But to have your, for Phoenix, to have your big three not show up the way that they showed up. I mean, DeAndre Ayton is kind of a separate issue, and we'll talk about that uh, later. Only 17 minutes in this game after he gets benched. But Paul and Booker, 10 and 11 points combined. Neither of them even led the team in scoring in a game seven. Uh, it's, It's just completely unacceptable. If you're the number one seed this was a monumental collapse for Phoenix, and I don't know if they're going to recover from it, actually. Yeah, pretty scary for a team that I picked to win the NBA <clears throat> title uh, this season. This is the fifth time in Chris Paul's career that he's blown a 2-0 lead in the playoffs, a 2-0 series lead in the playoffs. You mentioned only 10 points for him in this game, one rebound, four assists, eight shot attempts, no turnovers in this game, which is good. Uh, but, yeah, 11 points for Devin Booker, 12 for Cam Johnson. I don't know what else this team can really do, right? Like, what is going on here? They needed performances, big performances for these guys. Jay Crowder, Miles Bridges, um, DeAndre Ayton. Like, they needed performances from these guys if they were going to advance. It just looked like the whole team was not ready for a Game 7 I they weren't ready for game six. Yeah, I don't know what happened to Chris Paul. Like, I feel like, you know, a month from now or, or maybe even a couple weeks from now or further down the line, we're going to figure out the true story. There's already reports happened. coming out about him having an injured quad, an injured hand. Um, I, and I'm sure that those stories are true. You know, how much it actually affected him, that's another question. He's also 37 years old, so maybe they affect him a little bit more than they would have five, six years ago. Yep. Um, clearly he wasn't the same player. That's obvious. But the bigger question and the more worrisome question is how much of it was injuries and how much of it was, uh, you know, we're watching kind of like people are saying about James Harden, 
a all-time great player start to just completely recede before our eyes. He was playing incredibly well. We talked about maybe missing Devin Booker in the first round, you know, put a lot more on Chris Paul, and maybe that wore him down. Uh, so he wasn't ready to take the punches in this round. But he was playing well up until that Mother's Day incident, and then it seemed to go all downhill yeah. from then. But, you know, just looking at here at the box score, okay, Chris Paul's old, 10 points, right? <laughs> What's going on with Devin Booker? How are you only getting 11 points out of him? Three of 14 from the field. You mentioned DeAndre Ayton getting benched in 17 minutes, only five points for him. Like, Chris Paul is one issue with this team, oh, but nobody but yeah, showed up. Everybody is equal blame in this. Yeah, nobody this showed up. What do you think happened to Devin Booker? Like, this guy was being mentioned as the next Kobe Bryant or the next star shooting guard in the league. Stars don't have 11 points in a game seven. Not usually. Um, I do think a, a lot of it is you got to give credit to Jason Kidd and, and Dallas, just like Techno Peasant is saying here. The, this team um, has been an underrated defensive team all year long. Very surprising to me, actually, how well they, they were able to play defense during the regular season. They've done... Uh, the same type of job in the playoffs. They play small ball. Uh, they they use it to their advantage. And, and yes, the, the Suns choked, <laughs> as Progressive G is saying here. So it, it goes a little bit of both ways. I do think a lot of credit needs to be given to Jason Kidd for the way that he made adjustments in this series. They did figure out how to defend these guys. Um, but they, it's more to me not that they were literally stopping them defensively they, the Mavericks completely changed the mental makeup of this series I feel I think they completely took Chris Paul DeAndre Ayton and Devin Booker out of this game out of the series mentally um, maybe some of that is you know Chris Paul's family gets into it with the crowd in Dallas and that that doesn't help but all of those three guys, they, they didn't respond the way you see a lot of superstar players respond to things like that. Mm -hmm. So uh, whatever it was that Dallas did, they got inside Phoenix's head. And, and you know, maybe we saw – did you see Pat Beverly today? Yeah. In the morning? He came on air and said nobody's scared of Phoenix. Yeah. Part of that, I think, is just that's Pat Beverly being Pat Beverly. But as a player in the league – who's around all these other guys and then watching the way the sun's collapsed. Maybe there's a little bit of truth to that. Maybe this team is soft. Yeah. I think he said, uh, quote unquote, when I play Chris Paul, I go out for a steak dinner the night before. <laughs> if I play Steph Curry, I go to bed early. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Pat Beverly didn't play Chris Paul when he was in his prime very much either. He That's probably true. wouldn't have been going out for steak dinners back then, but um, yeah, I think, like I said, there's probably some truth to that statement. Like th this team, yep. um, they didn't have to deal with a ton of adversity during the regular season. Give them credit. They, they won a shit ton of games this year and they were a great regular season team, but the playoffs are different. I think it's something more than that. I, I think there is some fundamental locker room chemistry that's broken with this team. I don't know if it has to do with DeAndre Ayton not getting his contract extension, Chris Paul getting older, or something else is going on here. Because, you know, if Chris Paul is injured, whatever. We've seen that multiple times throughout his career. 
but he didn't have the fire. He didn't have the leadership skills that we normally know him for, right? Like we've seen him with Houston watching his team in the playoffs and basically been a coach, a second coach for that team, yelling at guys, telling them where they need to do or where they need to be, what they need to do, stuff like that. I didn't see that out of him. It's kind of weird, and I don't want to make any allegations or anything, but this seems similar to the LeBron James, Delonte West (laughs) randomness that happened, all those rumors that happened that just seemed to, like, infiltrate and destroy the locker room chemistry on that team, and they fell apart. It seems to be something similar with this team. We all heard about what happened right before the bubble with the Phoenix Suns meeting up with some IG model or whatever, and then people were saying that increased their chemistry. I don't know how <laughs> or why, but they went on a roll in the bubble. They sent Chris Paul. They've been a completely different team. Something happened towards Mother's Day that changed this franchise, and I don't know what it is. They have a lot of issues now going into the offseason. For a team that was had the best record in the NBA all year, most people, they were their favorites in yep. the playoffs, at least to come out of the West, if not to win the whole thing. Um, th- this team now has more question marks than than a lot of other teams in the league all of a sudden. My question for you, Calvin, let's, let's take Phoenix out of this and let's praise the Mavs a little bit more because like we do on this show, if, if you're playing like shit, we call it out. If you're playing well, we call it out. Congratulations to the Mavs. They move on to face the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals. Pretty amazing here considering... The last time they won a playoff series was 2011 when they won the title, and they could potentially be going back to the finals again. So, Calvin, my question for you, does this Mavs team have an actual chance at the title? They do have a chance, Mike. They have a chance, but I don't know how much of a chance they have. And this is all I'll say to to support that. Again, I give them a ton of credit. They were underrated in my mind all year long, and they were, I definitely underrated them in the playoffs mm-hmm. so far. Looking ahead, though, what does Dallas like to do? They play good team defense, they shoot a lot of threes, they play small ball. All the rest of the teams in the postseason are incredibly good def- uh, perimeter defensive teams that play small ball and rebound well. Dallas does not match up well with any of these teams. Mm -hmm. And it's for opposite reasons, right? We were talking about how they didn't match up well with the Suns because of of Phoenix's size. Even in Utah, Rudy Gobert, you know, it it worked a little differently. But those teams are nowhere near the defensive teams that Boston, Miami, Golden State kind of. But for sure Boston and Miami. I I would worry a lot about how Dallas – would overcome those deficiencies if they were to make it to the NBA Finals and have to go against Boston or the Miami Heat. Okay. Uh, What are their chances to beat uh, Golden State? I think they have a a reasonable chance to beat Golden State, and this is why. Golden State, all year long, one of their biggest issues has been turnovers. Mm -hmm. Dallas is one of the best turnover differential teams in the league, has been all season long. They really take care of the basketball. They're very uh, particular with their their sets. Luca is, you know, basically does whatever he wants to do on offense. If Golden State keeps turning the ball over at that same rate, 
you, you can't survive turning it over 17 times a game once you get to this stage of the postseason. Teams are too good, and they're going to take advantage of that. The Warriors get by because they have three great shooters, uh, and they're able to you know have great games as we've seen in, in history, uh, recent history. But the turnover issue really bothers me for them moving forward. <clears throat> yeah, I'm, I'm very, very mixed on this subject because – if you guys have been watching the show, I've been counting the Mavs out all season long, yeah. right? I thought they were going to lose in the first round. They proved me wrong. I thought they were going to lose in the second round. They proved me wrong. So I'm going to do a little change of pace here, Calvin. I'm going to take the Mavs to beat the Warriors. Probably one of the stupidest things I've done, <laughs> but I'm 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 a believer now okay, in the Mavs. Okay, you here first. Uh, I'm rocking with Mike. I think they have a chance to beat the Warriors. Uh, I've, I've been really impressed. Honestly, the, the most... I've been impressed with anybody on this Mavs team this season has been Jason Kidd. We saw him as a head coach in Brooklyn. This was like literally three months after he finished playing for the New York Knicks, became head coach. That experiment failed. We saw him go to Milwaukee um, with Giannis. I thought they did pretty well, but they didn't, you know, reach it to the championship or anything like that. So that project failed. Third time's the charm. He's come back to hometown Dallas. I think he's going to lead them to the finals. Uh, I love the adjustments he's made. And uh, I'm going to hold off on whether they'll win the championship, but I think they have a really good shot to beat Golden State here and make it to the finals. And congratulations to them uh, because amazing season, amazing playoff run. Uh, congratulations to Mike. Congratulations to all the Mavs fans. Like, this team's legit. They are. No, it's going to be a, a fun uh, championship, conference championship round, right? The the threes are going to be flying. All four of these teams are going yep. to put up a ton of threes. Yep, yep, that's true. Man, it's going to be exciting. I'm I'm really excited. I'm really excited. Jason killed. <laughs> Jason Kidd spilled water on the court on purpose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Speaking of which, Calvin. Let's talk a little bit about this wet floor in Boston. Uh, the announcers were commenting on it. Everybody was commenting on it. Like, we've never seen so many people on the floor wiping it constantly. We saw players slipping and falling. Grant Williams uh, fell in one of those plays. You know, in the past, we've seen teams or organizations try and do little things to get an edge. You know, the AC is broken or the field's wet or or whatever it is, could this have been a potential play by Boston? And does having a wet floor in Boston give an advantage to Boston or to Milwaukee? I am not going to feed into the conspiracy on this, even in the slightest. <laughs> First of all, does it give an advantage to, to either team? Absolutely not. Neither. How could you play basketball and have an advantage from a wet floor? Even the home team, it, you could tell them, hey, before the game, that spot right there in front of the coach's bench is wet. Don't go stand in it or don't run in it. Yeah. That's not an advantage. So don't give me any of that, first of all. Second of all, we actually see this every year in the playoffs because the NHL and the NBA have their playoffs overlap. So teams, cities that have both teams in the postseason, which Boston did, but now they don't because the Bruins just got eliminated. Mm -hmm. 
it tends to happen when you have to go back and forth uh, within a day or so switching from ice to hardwood. Like I said, Boston, the Boston Bruins are no longer yep. playing anymore. Yep. So this probably won't be as much of an issue moving forward. But does it give an advantage to either team? No. Okay. Plain and simple. Okay. You can't play basketball on a wet floor and have it be an advantage for you. I mean, it's one way to slow Giannis down, right? It slows everybody down. Yeah. Would that team benefit from a slower, slower-paced game? Who benefits more, Boston or Milwaukee? Boston benefited more from a fast-paced game. Okay. For sure. All right, so we're not looking into anything about these wet floors. Absolutely not. And anybody who tells you that was an advantage for the Boston Celtics is lying through their teeth. Because you know what I'm thinking? When I was watching, I was, I was like, wow, you know, Minnesota <clears throat> might want to think about this technique because it'd be harder for people to glue themselves to the floor if the floors were wet, you know? <laughs> I don't, I don't know, but it's just like that is still in the back of my mind. For some reason, I clicked on some video in YouTube of that girl getting tackled running onto the court. And every time I'm on YouTube, that video just pops up again. And I have to click on it because it's an amazing video with like front row seat view. And she jumps over and the security guard just comes out of nowhere and just tackles her. I got on a way big tangent here, so we're going to bring it back. <laughs> but uh, what, what are we talking about here next? Injury updates? So uh, let's see here. Marcus Smart, questionable for game one. What's going on with him, Cal? Uh, Marcus Smart sprained his foot in game seven against the Bucks, and he is uh, officially listed as questionable for game one. Um, it's you know another one of those things, a day-to-day thing we'll see how he feels tomorrow how he wakes up probably see if he ha- goes through participates in shoot around all that stuff and if he can go he can go is this a big deal for boston oh absolutely it, it's a big deal if he doesn't play we saw them win some games without him yeah th- are they capable of winning a game without him yes yes they are but it, marcus smart is clearly a very important part of this team so not having him available definitely hurts them Kyle Lowry didn't practice on Monday and still questionable with a hamstring injury. Maybe uh, it's an even playing field now that Miami and Boston are playing each other. Marcus Smart's out. Kyle Lowry's out. Uh, Maybe it's a wash at this point. Uh, Maybe it's a wash. I see it as being uh, more more impactful for Boston to miss Marcus Smart than for Miami to miss Kyle Lowry. Miami's just a deeper team. Gabe Vincent, all these guys, they've rotated guys in and out of the starting lineup all year long. Um, They're a very equal opportunity team. But Marcus Smart, Boston is not as deep, especially at guard. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, Marcus Smart is the defensive player of the year. Whether you agree with that or not, he still won the award. He's a very valuable person to have out there. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. It'll be an interesting matchup to see what happens. We'll see, uh, you know, how both those guys are feeling tomorrow. There are no games today, so uh, maybe an extra day will will help both of them. What's going on with Golden State? Um, we're hearing rumors about Gary Payton uh, and Otto Porter. What's going on with those guys? Um, well, I, I haven't actually checked on Gary Payton just because I 
find it very hard to believe, even if there are rumors that he might be able to come back soon, that he will come back for the Western Conference Finals. Don't think that's likely. Uh, but Otto Porter is <clears> – the team, as Steve Kerr said today, that they are hopeful he will be available for game one. He's been in and out of the lineup with a bunch of different injuries recently. Foot, um, I think, was the most recent one. So, uh, again, another guy that they would really love to have, an important rotation player. Um, but can they overcome not having him in the lineup? Yeah, they, they probably can for one game. Yeah, I think so. Well, we got some breaking news here uh, by Techno Peasant, and it's reported by TMZ. Rajon Rondo allegedly pulled a gun on his ex-wife or the mother of his kids and threatened her life during an outburst. Uh, she has been given a restraining order from him. Uh, any thoughts on this? I know it's crazy. It's very early, and TMZ has reported fake news before. There, I mean, a lot of news sources have reported fake news before, but I, I think it's a little early to make a comment or an uh, assumption on this matter. Bleacher Report is also reporting this, as well as Sports Illustrated and the New York Post. So Fair enough. Um, don't know what happened, again, but you're right. It's early. It's very early. Yeah. And uh, sounds like a, a rough situation for everybody involved. We we do not uh, condone any of that stuff, and that's really scary for them. So uh, that's quite unfortunate. All right, Calvin, moving on here. We're done with injuries, unless there's anybody else you want to mention. Um, I think we don't really know what's going to happen here with Andre Iguodala, but he is supposed to be reevaluated within, I think, the next mm. couple of days. There might be an update on him as far as his availability for the Western Conference Finals with and that neck, neck injury. injury. Yeah. So keep an eye on that. Yeah. Uh, and that's another guy we haven't even really mentioned, right, is is former, former Finals MVP. I uh, loved watching him in Philadelphia. Andre, uh, the two entrees, right, Andre Iguodala yeah. and Andre Miller. Um, they could really use him in this uh, in this Western Conference Finals, that's for sure. So we'll keep an update or keep a look on that and give you guys an update. Next up, uh, there's some rumors swirling that John Wall is not going to play with the Rockets next season. That's nothing new. Yeah, considering I don't he, even know if those are rumors. He anyway. <laughs> uh, did not want to play this season. We've heard of a potential John Wall for... Russell Westbrook trade that could happen if the Lakers decide to move on from him. Um, I'm also hearing some rumors that John Wall could potentially be bought out by the Houston Rockets. And if that happens, he is looking towards signing with the L.A. Clippers. Yeah, I also read that the Miami Heat are another strong contender if, in fact, he is to get bought out. their GM, The Rockets GM did say that he believes there is a market for John Wall, uh, I seem to think that's a little more wishful thinking than uh, than otherwise. But if they are not able to make a deal for him, it is becoming more and more realistic that he will be bought out. And, yes, it's been early on reported that the Clippers and the Miami Heat would be the top two contenders to sign him. Yeah, Techno Peasant, he took the $47 million. Yeah, yeah, he did. And uh, we'll, we're going to save your Iggy question to the end, uh, to Q&A, and uh, we'll definitely uh, answer that at the end. 
But uh, John Wall has not played much in the NBA for the past five seasons or so. It seems like four or five years. Um, I think he can definitely contribute to one of these teams. I just don't know how long he'll be able to contribute. Being out for that long, like, okay, you're playing well at the beginning of the season. What about 40 games in? What about 60 games in? Oh, you're making the playoffs? What about, you know, 90 games in? Where are you at physically, mentally, all that stuff? Uh, it would be interesting to see. I, I like John Wall a lot as a player. Um, we'll see where he goes. Yeah. And I just want to add real quick, if the Rockets trade for Russell Westbrook again, I don't know what the hell they're doing in Houston. That seems like the worst possible idea. They're adding draft picks, man, and young talent. They've got plenty of young talent. They don't need <laughs> Russell Westbrook to ruin their young talent on yeah. that team. Yeah, that's funny. All right, next up, I figure, you know, before we go into this gone fishing and, and you know, we make fun of the Suns and the Bucks and talk <laughs> about what they need to do this offseason, uh, I just want to touch back on this whole Chris Paul thing. Is Chris Paul done? He's older. He's 37 now. He makes a ton of money. Just was able to re-sign or extend his deal. His numbers since he's turned uh, 37 have been horrible. I think he's averaging like three points a game or something crazy like that. Uh, More turnovers than assists. Overall thoughts on Chris Paul. Is he done? Well, the easy answer is no. He's already come out on social media and said that he's coming back next year. He's not retiring. He wants another shot at it. He wants another shot with this team. Um, I I believe his exact quote was, we are not done. Um, So, no, I I believe that he'll be back next year as of right now because he says he is. And can he still play? Yeah, I think he can. I, I mean, I don't know what the extent of his injuries were, you know, at the end of this playoff run here before you know during the regular season and even in the first round against new orleans he was putting up really great numbers so he can definitely still play um, but i think it's it's now to the point where if this team is going to win a championship chris paul is going to have to be a a very good contributor for sure but devin booker has to to ascend to superstar level and deandre ayton has to take you know, the next two or three steps uh, as well. Those guys are the the two that are going to put this team over the top and win a title. It's not Chris Paul anymore. Yeah. Well, Chris Paul's got 28 million reasons to come back next he season. He does have a lot of reasons. And to try and uh, compete for a championship. After that, he's got 30 million reasons to come back the year after that and 30 million the year after that. Both of those years are partially guaranteed. So next year for me is a make it or break it for Chris Paul and the Phoenix Suns. It'd be interesting to see how they are able to rebuild this house after getting torched uh, here again in the playoffs. Is this maybe still lingering concerns from losing in the finals? Maybe, uh, you know, the team is a little shell-shocked. They start to see leads dissipate or or things fall apart. And uh, they're like, oh, here we go again. Um, maybe if that's the case, it's very worrisome, you know, because as an athlete, you have to, you have to have short-term memory loss. Even if you've been up 0-2 and lost, you know, 10 times in your career, if you're in one of those situations again, where all of a sudden the series is tied 2-2, none of those previous series matter. It's all about this series. So 
I do worry a little bit about what is going on within the locker room in Phoenix and, and mentally for them. Hearing your coach after the game say, at when he asked why did DeAndre Ayton get benched say the reason is it's internal, that's a big red flag. Yep. Big, big, big red flag. So I, I think they do have some, some internal problems that they've got to work out. Uh, but when it comes to talent on the basketball court, this team is built to win like they have everything that they need they just have to put it all together and that's part of being a leader right is is all those things kind of fall on you right it, maybe it's not your fault or or your responsibility but ultimately it is as the leader of a team everything falls on you right you get the glory during the wins and you get the blame during the losses chris paul is the leader of this team and uh it'll be interesting to see what he's able to do next season uh, what this team's going to look like as far as uh, the center position and uh, moving on. We're going to talk about that here next. Just want to give a couple shout-outs here. Flame Flurry 11 good to see you here. Key Kings, what up? Uh, Matthew, thank you guys all for joining us. Uh, also want to remind you all, tomorrow, um, after this stream, we will be doing a live NBA draft lottery party on Royal Rebounds. Uh, the link's already up, so make sure you guys go check that out. Hit that little notification bell, and we'll be here having fun. Uh, Calvin's going to be DJing, and we're going to just have a, an overall great experience and uh, try and manifest pick one, two, or three in the draft. Also, if you are a Kings fan and you love Kings memorabilia, the Kings right now are doing a, D or a Davion Mitchell autographed basketball giveaway. Um you have until tomorrow to enter. All you have to do is put in your information and pick what pick you think they will get in the draft lottery. Uh, so make sure you guys go enter in to win that um, because uh, I'd love to see somebody get the ball. If, if we get it, we'll put it here on the set. If you get it, send us some pictures because uh, it's always cool to win some free stuff. And on that subject, if you have not entered in our $250 Fanatics gift card giveaway, after this stream, find the video. It's pinned to the top of our page. Watch the video, follow the brief instructions, and you will be entered to win uh, that $250 Fanatics gift card. All right, Cal. Uh, let's talk some more about Chris Paul, I guess. Um, but in, in this form, let's talk about the offseason needs for this Phoenix Suns team. Uh, real quick, I'm just going to go over the payroll so we have kind of an idea of, of salaries and what they look like. Devin Booker has got two years left on his deal, $33.7 million next season and $35.9 the year after that. Chris Paul has $28 million for next season. Then he's got two more years after that at $30 million uh, and $30 million. Both of those are partially guaranteed, uh, and that will pay him basically up until his 40s, which is quite crazy. DeAndre Ayton's the real question mark on this team. At only 23 years old, he has failed to come to uh, an agreement on a contract extension, a rookie extension, uh, with the Phoenix Suns. He wants a max deal. We know somebody in the league is willing to give him a max deal. Will it be the Phoenix Suns? Uh, I had my concerns before. Obviously, this performance in the playoffs and getting benched in Game 7 does not uh, give you much positivity as a Phoenix fan, uh, fan if you would love to keep him. Jay Crowder's under contract. Last year of his deal at $10 million. Uh, Saric 
nine million partially guaranteed. Then you got Campaign, six million and six point five. Mikel Bridges, I think I called him Miles Bridges earlier. Mikel Bridges uh, just re-signed and uh, his new contract extension kicks in. Twenty million next season. Twenty-one point six. Then twenty-three. Then twenty-four point nine. This dude had a, a very forgettable game seven. They definitely need more for him. JaVel McGee's contract is expiring. They have Torrey Craig and Cam Johnson coming back for one more year. And then Landry Shamit is uh, going into his next contract, $9.5 million next season, 10.3 the year after that, 11.1 after that, and 11.9 after that. Guys like Alfred Payton, Bismack Biombo, uh, Aaron Holiday, and JaVel McGee are all expiring and will be off the books at the end of this season. That's a lot going on there, Calvin. Um, it is a lot. But the Phoenix Suns basically have $128 million, uh, which exceeds the salary cap locked up for next season. What are your thoughts on this roster? What do they need to do to improve uh, next season? And uh, what's happening with Aiton, Chris Paul, and some of these other guys? Well, I think Chris Paul will be back. Uh, I mean, uh, that seems like a pretty easy answer to me, and I think they want him back. As you said, DeAndre Ayton is the biggest question mark. And, and for what does this team need in the offseason? They need, number one, to spend money. Like, that. Yeah. that's the thing. They've got, like I said, most, if not all, the pieces that they need. They've been one of the best teams in the NBA the past two years. So you don't really have to tweak that much with the roster. You just need to make sure that most of these guys are back. Um, but I, I worry about the how fractured the relationship is between DeAndre Ayton and this team now. Um, and what are you going to be able to get for him in return if you don't end up re-signing him? A sign-and-trade probably is the most likely option. Um, maybe they get some draft picks and a, and a couple players back, but it, it's going to be really, really interesting. And, yeah, like you're saying here in the comments, Technopez, Robert Sarver does not like to spend money. Yep. So this seems like a pretty – um, interesting situation that's unfolding right now. I also agree here with Techno Peasant that they do need another shot creator. In a perfect world, Mikhail Bridges would turn into that player. You mm -hmm. gave him a big contract. He's improved every year, finished second in defensive player of the year voting this year. Um, he's a really important piece for them, but creating his own shot has never been one of his strongest suits. So how much better can he get at that in one offseason, bringing in somebody like Eric Gordon or a guy who can create his own offense, I think would be a huge, huge benefit to this team. But again, they're, they're strapped for money already. So how, how many of those guys do they have a realistic chance of signing in the offseason? They're in a, a bit of a sticky situation right now, especially with Chris Paul maybe not being the type of guy that can go out and get his own shot as frequently as we've seen in the past. In tight playoff series like this, they maybe need that extra guy who can give them a little bit of, you know, offense creation in their own right. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, for me, going through this whole list here, number one thing, Devin Booker needs to be better. This guy needs to be the best player on the court at all times. Uh, I think, you know, having a, an all-time great in Chris Paul – uh, and we saw in a few post-game press conferences ago him talking about, yeah, Chris Paul's amazing. I remember watching him when I was five years old with my dad and all this and that. 
yeah, we get it. Chris Paul, all-time great. But you are the best player on this team now. You need to be the best player on the court at all times. So that's the biggest thing for me is he's under contract for the next two seasons. Uh, he needs to be the best player of this team at all times. He needs to take that next step. He needs to be an all-star every single year, and he needs to average 25-plus points a game. He needs to be their number one option. I agree with you. I think Chris Paul is back next season. Not really sure what to expect from him. Uh, you know, lots of injuries in his career. I just hope whatever he does, he can find a way to remain fresh towards the playoffs because that seems to be his biggest problem is like an early on LeBron, right? You get burnt out too early and you don't conserve enough energy or injuries or whatever happens and your play regresses as you get further on in the playoffs when your play needs to get better. Yeah. Um, DeAndre Ayton is the biggest question mark for me on this team. Um, and that being said, I don't think he'll be with this team next season. I, I don't. Uh, I already wasn't really sure he was part of this team. Obviously, getting benched in Game 7 does not help at all. He wants a max deal. I don't think they're going to give it to him. So for me, the biggest questions around him is, are you going to be able to work out a sign-and-trade and bring something back in value for this guy? Because there are a few teams in the league, like Oklahoma City, uh, Portland, that do have a ton of cap space, and they don't need to do a sign-and-trade for DeAndre Ayton. But if you're DeAndre Ayton, you get more money if you re-sign with the Suns and then they trade you. If you're the Suns, you want some value back for him. So I, I'd keep an eye on that situation. I do like the Kings. I think they have a decent shot at getting a guy like DeAndre Ayton. I think you could include a guy like Rashawn Holmes in a side-and-trade, which would probably benefit uh, Phoenix here. I think Rashawn could could play really well with this team, and he's on, on a very, very reasonable deal. Um, I think the backup point guard position is, is huge on this team, especially with Chris Paul getting older. Uh, you know, campaign has seemed to be that guy, but will he be that guy next season? I'm not really sure. He's uh, got two years left on his deal. He's getting a little bit older. Uh, you know, he had five points in game seven in 13 minutes. You need more from your backup point guard, especially uh, if Chris Paul is struggling. I might even look at a team like Dallas and say, they need to figure out what they're doing with Jalen Brunson. They need a big guy. Maybe we do a sign-and-trade Jalen Brunson for uh, for DeAndre Ayton and maybe some fillers or something like that. Uh, so they need to figure out what their backup point guard position is going to be. And then you're right, Mikel Bridges needs to get his own shot. And then this team just needs to like fill in the rest of the roster with veterans that want to win a ring, 3 and D guys. Um, but... For me, the underlying concern is what happened to this team in the locker room. What is going on with their chemistry? Can they rebuild that? Uh, I still am positive on the Phoenix Suns next season, but they have a very interesting offseason. They sure do. They sure do. Can I answer some of these questions in the chat real quick? Yeah, go for, time for that? go for it. First of all, I got to pay up on my debt here to Mike before he stops watching. I don't know if he has already, but Mike, congratulations to your Mavs. Thank you for making me take a shot of Jameson at 12 in the afternoon. And he's got to go to work in a couple hours. Okay. Now that we got that out of the way. Um, 
Techno Peasant, first of all, I'm surprised to hear that you don't play. You know an awful lot about basketball. But <clears throat> when, you, when you work on how to become a better shot creator, it's one-on-one offense, right? Like when you watch Mikhail Bridges play, you can't really think of a one-on-one move that he has. You don't see him go to a crossover very often or a spin move or a step back or any of those things. So in the offseason, you got to spend a ton of time working on those individual one-on-one moves against one defender, against two defenders, uh, you know, on the wing, in the post, in the mid post, at the free throw line. Um, and you have to you have to do it against physical defense. You know, like a lot of these guys use the, the like, punching bag things now where yeah. they ram into each other while you're taking a shot or something like that. The, those are the the first and most basic things that that you work on. You have to develop a, a signature move, something that you feel comfortable going to over and over and over again against any type of defense. And those are things you do pretty much like outside of team practice, right? Like that's oh, yeah, on you. that's all yeah. on your own time. Yeah. That is 100% on your own time, which – once you get to the off season, that's the first thing that a lot of guys go to. It's what can you add to your game, right? Mm-hmm. What am I going to do individually that's going to take my game to the next level before we start coming together and having scrimmages and practice and all of that stuff? Um, it, you know, it's a pretty simple answer, but it, it is sometimes it, that's what it takes is the most simple type of thing. Um, so, yeah, I, I feel like if he can just – figure out what one move do I like to do? What makes the most sense with my game? He's got really long arms. It's very difficult to, to block his shot. So if he could get a, like, you know, spin fadeaway down or a step back uh, to a three-point shot down, that would be very difficult to guard, and it would really, really help them. Um, was there anything else that I missed there? Is Mikel really worth what he's getting paid? Ooh, in my opinion, he is because he's such a great two-way player. Uh, I mean, we mentioned it already, finished second in defensive player of the year voting this year. I think he gets better and better defensively every year. He's got the exact perfect body type to be an elite, elite defender in this league for a long, long time. Um, And he improved his three-point shot a lot this season. He's great moving without the ball. So, yeah, I do think... In today's NBA, where a lot of guys are making a crap ton of money, mm-hmm. he's definitely worth it. He's still young, too. I, I think he's going to get better. Yeah, yeah. And, and unfortunately, in today's game, you have to pay people a lot of money or the other other teams, like, pay them and they leave. So, unfortunately, that's a situation you get trapped in with good young players. Uh, a lot of guys are paid on potential, and you don't really know whether they're worth it until they are a few years into that deal. I mean, look at Golden State, right? They took a gamble on paying an injury-prone guy in Steph Curry uh, $11 million a season, and he won an MVP award and a couple championships. So, it, uh, yeah, it's, it's the state of the league. All right, any other questions you want to answer real quick, or should we move into Bucks off-season needs? Uh, let's keep it going. We can circle back uh, to questions a little bit later. Okay, perfect. All right, as you guys know, yesterday the Milwaukee Bucks lose to the Boston Celtics in seven games. Their second-best player, Chris Middleton, has been injured pretty much the entire postseason. Um, he's making $37.9 million next season, and he's got 
a player option for $40 million the season after that. Let's jump here into the numbers with the Milwaukee Bucks and try and figure out what they can do to improve and get back to the NBA Finals and win another championship. So I mentioned Chris Middleton is under contract for two more seasons. Giannis is under contract for four more seasons, 42.4, 45.6, 48.7, and a huge player option in 2025-2026 of $51.9 million. Drew Holiday is under contract for three more seasons, 32.3, 34.6, and a player option at 36.9. Brooke Lopez is entering in the final year of his deal. Uh, it is an expiring $13.9 million contract. Sergi Baca is officially off the books, as well as Wesley Matthews. Um, we have Pat Connington returning, if he chooses to. Player option for $5.7 million. Bobby Portis. $4.5 million player option. Grayson Allen is under contract for two more seasons, one at 9.6 and one at 10.3. George Hill is under contract for one more year at $4 million. Calvin, this is a ton of money between their top four players in Giannis, uh, Middleton, Holiday, and Lopez. I'm not a mathematician here, but this is uh, looking like towards $130 million for those four guys next season. That is over the salary cap. That doesn't allow you a lot of flexibility or a lot of room. What does this team need to do? What are the biggest question marks regarding this squad? And uh, what can we expect from them this offseason and next season? Well, I think... Phoenix here in, in the chat hit it hit the nail on the head with this team. Most teams that we see as championship contenders are kind of in the same boat every offseason, right? Like you have your top three or four guys locked up. A lot of times you're committing a lot of money to them. So the question is how do you fill out the rest of the roster? You know, with these veteran guys that have been around like a PJ Tucker, um, good three-point shooters, two-way players, guys that you can get on the mid-level exception or, or veteran minimum deals. That's how these teams are built. Um, their, their issues going into this offseason, number one, they got to get healthy, right, like everybody does. They need Middleton back. But like Phoenix said in the chat here, Bobby Portis and Pat Connaughton both have player options for next season. Mm-hmm. Bobby Portis was huge for them this year. He's getting paid. Career highs in, in points and rebounds. Uh, career high in minutes played this season. He started 59 games for them when mm -hmm. Brooke Lopez was out with back surgery. He's probably going to get like 13 or 14 million a year in the offseason. Yeah. I don't think Milwaukee has the cap flexibility to pay him that. So I definitely see him opting out. Connaughton is a, a question mark for me. Um, I, he, I think he's a valuable player and probably is valued by a lot of teams in this league, but I don't know if opting out for him earns him as much more money as Bobby Portis is going to get when yeah. he opts out. Yeah. And the question for Pat Connaughton is, does he want to go somewhere else or does he want to, is he looking for a bigger role like maybe a DiVincenzo was or something like that? Or does he want to come back and keep playing for this team and have another chance to win? So he's a question mark to me as to whether he opts out or not, but they, that's going to determine how they fill out the rest of this roster, whether or not they can get some of these guys back, and who do they look for to replace them. Yeah, for me, the biggest offseason need for this team is get healthy and add shooters. 
Uh, I think we saw that in the playoffs this year. Giannis needs shooters around him. A guy like that that can get to the basket so easily uh, that's, you know, as amazing of a player as he is, he needs help, right? And how you help out a great player like that is getting shooters. Uh, It just takes the pressure off of him. It opens up the lane for him to get to the basket. And it just makes it so that he doesn't have to work as hard for every single bucket that he gets. And then he has more energy towards the end of the game. So for me, you know, number one goal, Chris Middleton needs to come back. He needs to be healthy. Uh, I like Drew Holiday. I like Brooke Lopez. Um, I think Bobby Portis, like like you said, opts out and gets paid somewhere else. I'm mixed on Pat Connington. Um, but this team just needs to figure out a way to add some more shooters. And, you know, they kind of screwed themselves in getting rid of Dante DiVincenzo, in my opinion, because there's not a lot of young up-and-coming guys that this squad really has to, to help yeah. uh, push them. You know, like everyone talks about you need veterans, you need older players to win in the NBA. Look at the Lakers this season. They had a bunch of veterans, a bunch of older players, and they just didn't have that spark that youth gives them. We saw that with the Memphis Grizzlies this season, right? It's the almost like they're too young to know that they're not this good or they're not good enough. It, it gives you like a, just an unlimited amount of confidence. That, I think, is what this team is missing. So I think they need to find a way to bring some more youth to this roster. They need to add shooters, and they just need to get healthy. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. A uh, couple of good questions in the chat here. Do you want to maybe look up? what Milwaukee's draft capital is like for the offseason. I think they have I think it's a late pick. Their pick this year, their first round pick. Yeah, pick twenty four. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question about Brooke Lopez. He he is getting older, um and he yeah, he he carries a bit of a price tag, but I think he's very valuable for that team. Um he's still maybe not the rim protector that he was a few years ago. But he still is able to to help in that regard. Great outside shooter, spaces the floor really well. I think he plays with Giannis very very well. Um, so I I'd probably give it one more year with him, you know. Yeah, and I would try and bring back uh, Bobby Portis if there is a way. Uh, Progressive G saying Carmichael Dave said he wants the Kings to go after Bobby Portis. There's going to be a lot of. Yeah. interest for him yeah. around the league and there's a lot a, of interest. a lot of players the kings want to go after because when you're not making the playoffs you got to add talent bobby portis is one of those guys that he played incredibly well he's going to get a good deal but it's like is that play sustainable have we seen a new bobby portis i'm not well, so sure yet i mean you look at his numbers he's been pretty consistent for the past Five, six years. In, in fact, the three-point shooting is really what stands out to me. Um, his first couple of years in the league, he was not a three-point shooter at all. He didn't even attempt more over two threes a game. This year, he attempted almost five a game and shot 40%. He shot 47% from three last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the improvements that he's made in that area are quite astonishing. Uh, I, you know, he's definitely he's definitely going to get paid this offseason. Yeah, and Key Kings is, is kind of talking about what I was getting at here is Sacramento would probably have to overpay to get a guy like Bobby Portis. And then is it worth it? I'm not quite sure. Well, we will see what happens. Do you know what's going on with Miritich? Where's that guy at? 
I actually have no idea. I hadn't even heard that name in a like number of years. Every time years. I think of Bobby Portis, I just think of that incident still. Yeah. Punching him in the face. Yep. Crazy. Very crazy. All right, Calvin. Uh, anything else you want to mention here on the Bucks before we jump into a quick Tuesday preview? We're going to give a, a much more in-depth preview tomorrow, um, but we'll just real quick go over the game and then – Looks like we got a bunch of questions here to go over in the chat. Um, anything else you want to mention about the Bucks? Uh, no, I mean, every team, all these teams, you know, that are so close uh, to to winning a title, the off season is is incredibly important for them for different reasons than the the teams that are at the bottom of the league. You know, uh, there it's all about how can they win now. So they they have to go out and find those pieces that are going to fit perfectly, like you mentioned, shooters, floor spacers, all that stuff. And they have to be able to do it at a bargain because they don't have a lot of money to spend. But getting Chris Middleton back is going to help them tremendously, obviously. Real quick, before we wrap up off-season rebuilds, of the four teams just eliminated in Phoenix, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, and Memphis – which GM do you think has the most difficult offseason ahead of them? Oh, it's Phoenix, and it's not even close for me. Really? Uh, Philadelphia, you know, people, a lot of people are going to point to them because of James Harden. Um, they're also handicapped money-wise. They need shooters. They need maybe – Philadelphia maybe needs to add the most pieces, I would say, out of any of these teams. But Phoenix has the by far the biggest question marks. Yeah. What happens with DeAndre Ayton? Can't, how much can you rely on Chris Paul anymore? Um, are, what's the relationship between the head coach and the team all of a sudden? Um, and is your owner going to be willing to spend money in order to keep this band together? And if not, wh- what are you going to do with DeAndre Ayton? A sign-in trade is probably the most likely scenario because you don't want to let him just walk away for nothing. Yep. Uh, but they, they, to me, have in total the biggest number of question marks for a team that was at one point very recently considered to be one of the two or three best teams in the entire league. Like a week ago. Yeah. At least in Philadelphia, you've still got Joel Embiid, who's playing at an MVP level. Yeah, Tobias um, Harris. you got Tobias Harris. You have some options there. Yep. Like, even if you want to, to mess around with the roster, you've got assets you can use. Maxie's coming off a phenomenal season. They have promise still. And Phoenix does, too, if they can find a way to keep this group together or – make a deal for Aiton that brings them back, uh, you know, win now players as well. But the, it's going to be a more difficult offseason, I think, for Phoenix than it will for Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I think James Jones and the Phoenix Suns are going to have a brutal long offseason, but I think there are some positives they can pull from it, uh, and hopefully they can figure out next season. Uh, just real quick on Chris Paul, you know, watching his play the last week and a half, it's almost like, when he turned 37, the 2K guys went in and up, updated his ratings on uh, passing, shooting, everything in real life because it just seemed like everything seemed to tank right after his birthday. Um, Phoenix, by far, they have no way to improve their roster to be in contention. Uh, their title window is closed in the CP3 era. It can reopen later on post C3, uh, CP3 and when we see the young guys get better. Do you agree or disagree? Well, I agree with the the o- overlying statement 
there that they have the most difficult offseason. Uh, yeah. That's what we just said. Window's not it, closed. Their title window being closed, I'm not sure I agree with that. Uh, they The big DeAndre Ayton problem is going to determine how long maybe their title window stays open. Um, but I, I still think that there's there's an opportunity if they want to spend money, there's an opportunity to bring him back. Does he want to come back is another question. And if they trade him or do a sign and trade, you know, there's a possibility to get some win now pieces in return. But do you think Chris Paul is tradable? I don't see how they can't be contenders with the same roster. They were a contender this year. Do you think Chris Paul is tradable? Not, not really. I, I don't know. Maybe. Like you're not going to get back what he's worth or no team wants to touch his contract? I, there just aren't very many teams out there that can pull off a, a deal like that. I mean, it's the same problem that the Lakers have with Russell Westbrook. Yeah. You know, I think there are teams that want him, but they can't really put together a deal that financially works to make that happen. Chris Paul for Russell Westbrook. Progressive G says. <laughs> I don't think that helps the Suns as much as it would help the Lakers. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely going to be interesting to see see what happens here. All right, Calvin. Let's uh let's talk about a Tuesday preview. And I just, you know, there's only one game on Tuesday, one game on Wednesday, so everything is magnified. Uh, you don't have options to watch two or three games every day. It's it's either one game a day or nothing. Real quick before we jump into this Boston and Miami series, they play on Tuesday in Dallas and Golden State on Wednesday. Uh, I just want to know what series you are mo- most excited for, Boston at Miami or Dallas in Golden State. It's got to be Heat and Celtics for me. Um, I, I think these teams are, are good matchups for each other. They're both really, really uh, good team. Ba- they play really great team basketball. They share it well. They get contributions from a lot of players, not just their stars. Uh, they're both you know, good shooting teams, both good defensive teams. The, this series is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I, I think so. If you were to do your picks over today and just start with these, uh, you know, conference finals and the finals, who are you picking to go to the finals and who are you picking to win the championship at this point? Well, just like you said earlier that you're not going to bet against the Mavericks again, I have now picked against Boston twice and I've been wrong both times. Okay. So I'm going to pick Boston to win this series. Okay. I like Miami a lot, and I think that either team could definitely win. I expect it to be a long series, six or seven games for sure, but I will take Boston to win, okay. and I will take Golden State to beat Dallas. I'm sorry, Mike, I continue to pick against Dallas, um, but I, I just think that the Warriors, w- the only problem that I see with them right now is the turnover issue. I think they're going to shoot better. Uh, they, they can play small against this team. Andrew Wiggins, to me, is the key for Golden State. In the four wins they got against Memphis, he scored 17 in three games and 18 in the fourth game. So if he contributes offensively, I think he can be one of the guys mm-hmm. that they primarily put on Luka. Luka will still probably put up numbers, but Andrew Wiggins has been a really underrated defender for them all year long. Another long body that they can throw at him. 
I will take the Warriors over the Mavs. And then for the championship, man, that's a tough one. I, I think I'll, I'll pick Boston again. Okay. Do you think Draymond Green will be put on Luka Doncic at all? I think they will use him in in spots. You know, pick and roll, they'll probably have him switch on to him a little bit. But I, I think that Andrew Wiggins and maybe uh, somebody like Clay Thompson, um, they are going to get the, the bulk of the minutes on Luka. Yeah. Draymond, they, they really like to use him as a uh, as a rim protector and a, and a big help time help defense kind of like a center fielder almost Mm -hmm. like he catches everything that gets that slips through the cracks okay i i got miami winning the first series uh i'm a rock with dallas in the second series just like i said i was riding with mike now uh and unfortunately i have miami beating dallas in the finals to win uh the championship as phoenix says here another mavs heat finals 2006, 2011, 2022. The Heat won in 06. The Mavs won in 11. And the Heat are winning again in 2022. Congratulations. If both of these teams, or actually, I just want to step back a little bit. All four of these teams, two of them are making the finals. I am impressed by all four of these teams. Congratulations to whoever does make the finals. And uh, it's exciting to see an NBA Finals without a LeBron James, without a Kawhi Leonard, without a Kevin Durant. So it, it's it's really exciting to see basketball, and I'm excited for the next couple weeks. Um, let's just talk about Tuesday's game real quick here, Calvin, uh, before we jump into Q&A. I also want to remind everybody that's watching, please hit that like button. Uh, it would greatly uh, help Calvin and I to help grow this channel and get a bigger audience and expand. So please hit that like button. Please hit that subscribe button if you enjoy awesome content like this. We're here live every single weekday. Uh, when the NBA stops, we won't stop because basketball doesn't stop. We might not be all five days a week during the offseason, but we're going to be putting out a ton of content, some NBA 2K rebuilds. We're going to go over the draft, free agency. Uh, we're going to talk about clips from last season, things we liked, things we didn't like, team breakdowns, all that fun stuff. So make sure you guys Stay tuned for all of that, and make sure you join us tomorrow for our our draft lottery party on Royal Rebounds. All right, so let's just talk about Tuesday's game real quick. It is in Miami. Um, Miami is, uh, there's no spread on this game yet. So Boston at Miami. Uh, looking here at the injury report, it's it's pretty normal for the Miami Heat. Kyle Lowry's out, and then they got a bunch of guys that are day-to-day. Uh, Marcus Smart is still day-to-day. Uh, what do you think is going to happen here in game one? Um, ESPN's predicting Miami are giving them a 63.2% chance to win this game. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is... Like we have all been saying here, this is going to be a defensive battle. Um, both of these teams have a lot of really, really great wing, long wing defenders that they can switch, a lot of pick and rolls. It's Good shots are going to be at a big-time premium in this series. Both teams shoot it really well from the outside. Miami was the best three-point shooting team in the league all year long. So, of course, it's going to come down to how you know who can step up and make – big time shots uh and 
is Grant Williams going to have some of those same performances in the Eastern Conference Finals that we saw uh, just against Milwaukee in the last round? Same thing with Al Horford. Um, I, you know, I, I like Bam Adebayo's matchup in the series, especially if Robert Williams is going to continue to sit. I think Bam eats big time. Mm-hmm. I give a slight advantage to Miami in that category. But this is a very evenly matched series. Yeah, I, I think Miami wins this game because it is at home. Uh, I expect Jimmy Butler to have a big game. Um, and I, I also expect Miami to be focused on Jason Tatum. Uh, so if the Celtics want to win this game, if they want it to be close, I think they need Jalen Brown to really step up and have a huge game. Yeah, uh, I agree with that. Phoenix says... Uh, is it consensus to say Bam Adebayo is the best defensive player in the series and Jason Tatum is the best offensive player in the series? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, Marcus Smart obviously doesn't want to hear that, but yeah. I, I love Bam Adebayo. I, I, would, I do agree with that statement. Jimmy Butler's up there too. Yeah. It, it's yeah. tough. It's hard to compare big men and guards or wings as far as defensive That's true, but Bam for a big man – has he's able to play a lot like a guard or really like a small forward so yep. all right anything else you want to mention on this game before we move on like i said we're going to give a, a can't more wait to watch in-depth analysis tomorrow because there are no games today so uh we will give a, a better analysis tomorrow on that game and what yeah, we're looking yeah, forward not, to i didn't say that he was my pick for defensive player of the year i was just saying that marcus smart would have something to say about that but yeah, I like. I think Bam is a better defender than Marcus Smart. All right, let's open it up to Q and A. If you guys have questions, we got answers. Uh, let us know in the chat, and uh, we'll go ahead and discuss. While you guys are doing that, I'm just going to look over some past uh, chats and see if we missed anything. We talked about Chris Middleton uh, needing or being needed by the Bucks. Also, DiVincenzo. Pat Beverly is a grade A instigator. ESPN did a good job bringing him on board. That, oh, yeah, he's perfect he to is. have on air with Stephen A. Smith. Uh, Techno Peasant wanted perfect. to know whether the Mavs' prowess on the offensive end of the floor is sustainable. It's sustainable as long as they get guys like Dorian Finney-Smith or uh, Maxi Kleba or Davis Bertans to hit timely threes like that that's their offense spread it around five wide uh let luca you know run pick and roll or isolation post up and if he's doubled kick it to whoever's open and that person takes a three if if they continue to hit those threes then yeah definitely that's doable yeah yeah we talked about the unfortunate situation surrounding rajon rondo at the moment also i want to give an update on rashawn holmes i know we haven't talked about it uh on royal rebounds yet but he was given full custody to his uh, by his uh, or for his children. Yes, congratulations by the to court. Rashawn. Apparently, his ex uh, took them out of the state without permission, so he was granted uh, you know full custody. I gotta think that helps him in his court case uh, that's coming up. Oh yeah, so yeah, for sure. Big win for him. Techno peasant says, "How important is Iggy for the series against the Mavs?" Would he guard Luca at times, or would he be, or who would he be assigned to? Um, at this point in Iggy's career, you know he's not going to be out there forty minutes a game. So, 
would he guard Luca? Yeah, he probably would for some number of minutes. You know, they would use him to give guys like Wiggins and Clay rest, um, it, whether it's taking them out of the game or just taking them off of a, a primary defensive assignment like Luca. He would probably bounce around to a few guys depending on who's out there matchup wise. He's really like a utility belt type of. He kind of always has been that for them, but now he's not, you know, nearly the type of player that he used to be. Mm-hmm. So they can just use him in different spots for short periods of time. Yep. He's still an important piece, though. Like uh, they would love to have him, obviously. Yeah, and I, I think he can be a lockdown defender in limited spurts. So late in game situations, uh, points where they need to get a stop, uh, and he can also give a, a good five, six fouls. So. I, I expect Iguodala to have a huge impact on the Warriors if he is able to return, and, and hopefully he can. And Matthew says, if I lose at basketball, I am not going fishing to each their own. I guess Matthew's going to Cancun instead. <laughs> Flame Flurry says he's been busy with school. It's all good, man. We know it's final season. CP3 is still a great floor general during the regular season, but now teams know how to stop him in the playoffs. Is that true? Um, I mean, that stuff can can get over magnified. Like in a playoff series, that that's that's what it's all about, right? If if you have a playoff series that goes really long, it's about making the the individual adjustments, it's a lot harder to play a team seven times in a row than it is to play them, you know, once every couple of weeks or even months during the regular season. So it, it's a little bit of a different world. Um, but I, I think the question is how much of it was the Mavericks actually figuring out how to stop him and how much of it is is Chris Paul just not the same type of player that we're used to seeing? I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if there's really an answer to that yet. Yeah. Uh, Phoenix wants to know your thoughts on the Monty Williams, DeAndre Ayton drama. Apparently Monty in the middle of the game asked Ayton if he wanted to play and Ayton said no. Well, it's not good if that's the case. Um, we've, seen situations like that in the past of course the first one that comes to my mind is Scottie Pippen refusing to go into the game in a playoff game after Phil Jackson drew up uh, the the game eventual game winning shot for Tony Kukoc Scottie Pippen survived through that he ended up you know doing okay for himself and didn't leave so is there a possibility that they can repair that relationship in the offseason yes there is but it's not a guaranteed thing either yep And you talked about whether they should move on from Brooke Lopez, right? Yeah. Yep. And Nikola Miritich was on the Bucks in 2019. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's playing in Spain now. That's what it is. Which is crazy because I figured he'd stay in the NBA and Bobby Portis would be out. Um, you never know. You never know. We all know that uh, Steve Kerr punched or got punched in the face by Michael Jordan, and both of those guys continued on, but that was a, a much different time. We talked about Phoenix. The West is about to be so much better next year with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George getting healthy. We will see. We will see. 
you know, we were all ecstatic about Clay Thompson and the Warriors, right? Like, they're going to be so much better when he comes back. And then he injured himself and ended up missing another year. So you, you never know. It's, it's really tough, which is why it's so painful sometimes to watch a guy like CP3 lose in the finals, right? Like, mm-hmm. that was his chance. They don't come around that often because there are injuries. There are all these other things. Um, winning a title is not solely based on skill. It's not. There's a little bit of luck in there. Oh, there's more than a little bit. <clears throat> Suns can't be contenders with the same roster. It's tough, man. If Chris Paul regresses, they definitely need some of those other guys to step up. But I don't think they're going to have the same roster because Aiden seems like he wants out. Yeah. Westbrook can't be traded. Westbrook can't be (laughs) traded. Phoenix is calling Boston and Miami to go to seven. Miami in seven games. Mavs in seven games. Wiggins and Clay are going to get bodied. Mikel Bridges is a defensive player of the year candidate. Um, let's see here. A lot, a lot of stuff here. Thank you guys. Yep. We appreciate all your yep. comments and, and questions. We can roll down to the end here, though. There's a couple at the at the bottom. Who has a better chance of beating the Warriors, the Heat or the Celtics? I think either team has a good chance of beating them, and, and it. It's for the reasons that, or the reason that I brought up earlier and that the Warriors have been a team all year long that has really struggled with turnovers. And you're going against two fantastic defensive teams in Miami and Boston, both of them that can really switch a lot of screens. They both have all types of uh, defenders that you can really throw on anybody out there. So I give either team, Miami or Boston, a good chance of beating Golden State. Dallas has played great defense too. Um, they have. I mean, yes, but I, that wasn't the question. Though. Yeah, it, yeah. It was. I asked Calvin before the show today who he has now winning the title, and he said the East. Yeah, So the East. That right <laughs> there simple. Go, goes to tell you uh, <laughs> how confident he is in, in, you know, Boston or Miami. All right. Um, let's see here. Of the four teams left, which starting power forward do you like watching the most? Oh, wow. Um, That's a tough question to answer because the starting power forward is not the same every game on any of these teams, really. But I, I guess I'll say, well, in my mind, that those people would be P.J. Tucker... Um, Draymond Green. Well, Draymond Green, if they start Looney, yes, but that's the problem. They don't always start Looney, so it could be Andrew Wiggins. Like this, this is a real difficult question to decipher. Um, I, I guess I'll take the Warriors, either Draymond or Andrew Wiggins. Uh, you know, P, they're all good players. Like I like PJ Tucker for a lot of reasons. I don't like watching him as much as I like watching Draymond or Andrew Wiggins, though. Um, and then for the Mavs, I, I don't know that who that they don't really even have a power forward. So, Kleba, he doesn't start. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a that's a very tough question, but keep them coming. Uh, Phoenix says Smart is a fraudulent defensive player of the year. Dude's a great defender, man. I I mean I I feel like it's similar to the MVP vote where there's multiple people that are deserving of the award and you can't give it out to everybody. Yeah, very much so. It only goes to one guy, so uh, that's tough. Very bold assumption that Golden State makes the finals. Uh, 
I mean, they they got a 50% chance basically at this point, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it's a bold assumption. Um, I, I don't think it's like picking a 16 seed to beat a one seed or anything, though, right? Like, they definitely have a chance to win. This might be presumptive, but is it fair to say the Clippers on paper going into next season look like the 2023 champs? Um, there are a lot of teams, a lot of good teams in the NBA right now. I'm going to pull up like that the, the Clippers obviously are going to improve their chances so much starting next year, getting these guys back healthy. Although we don't, you know, there's no guarantee that Kawhi Leonard is, you know, still a top 10 player. We certainly would hope that he comes back, you know, a hundred percent, but you still have to wait to see what he looks like. I realize your question is on paper. Yes, they're going to be, their odds are going to dramatically improve. But you look at the Eastern Conference. I mean, Boston coming back next year is going to be a great team. Um, I, who knows what Philadelphia is going to do. But Miami, uh, we're assuming, is also going to look pretty similar to what they are right now. Um, you know, you got Milwaukee coming back yeah. with Chris Middleton healthy. Like, there's a lot of teams that are going to be up there around the top. I don't know if there's any one team that you would say is the the clear favorite in front of the other one. One thing I can say looking at this Clippers team is they have very little questions going into this offseason. Paul George is under contract for three more years. Kawhi Leonard's under contract for three more years. You got Marcus Morris under for two more years. Norman Powell's four four more years. You just re-signed Robert Covington for two more years. Luke Kennard's got three years left on his deal. You got Reggie Jackson coming back. Uh, Zubat's coming back. Batum coming back. Terrence Mann. Uh, all this team really needs to do is fill itself out with veterans and shooters. I do think they need to figure out the point guard position and, and where that's going to go. If they are able to get a guy like John Wall and add him to this team, I think that definitely improves their chances. Uh, you know, Jerry West built this team just like he did in Golden State um, and a few other, other stops in the NBA. The problem with saying best team on paper is who was the favorite to win the title this year? The Brooklyn Nets? And the Lakers. And the Lakers. One team didn't make the playoffs. One team got swept in the first round. So we talked about just a few minutes ago, it takes more than talent to win a championship, right? It takes a little bit of luck uh, or a lot of luck and injuries and all these other things. I think they're going to be a great team next season. Way, way too early to say NBA champs on paper. Yeah, don't forget about Memphis either, right? Yep. Like they're going to be good for a long time. Everyone's saying the Mavs will beat the Warriors. I hope so. I, I took them. I took them. Regardless of which two teams are likely to make it, which two teams would you like to see in the finals? Ooh. For, for me, uh, Dallas and, uh, and Miami. I, honestly, I'd be fine with any combination. The Warriors against either team, the Mavericks against either team, my, my, like it, it doesn't matter to me. I, th I think you're going to get a good – finals no matter what the outcome is mike says albeit mavs warriors game two i got tickets last night and you're wearing your royal rebounds gear that's what i like to hear thanks for the support appreciate you mike you've been awesome dude you've been really awesome mike went from my ta in uh high school and i was just a little kid and he had a beard and i'm like this guy looks like he's 30 <laughs> 
uh, to now watching the show and, and has been a great friend of mine for a long time. So thank the you, Mike. The first time I ever heard Andre Nic- an Andre Nicotina song was in Mike's Red Explorer in high school. Yeah. And, you know, that changed my life, man. He's one of my favorite <laughs> artists of all time. So, Mike's a living legend, and he's here in the chat, and we appreciate you. Winning a title is based on having a very good team and health. That was the song. Ayo for Yale. Oh, yeah, there you go. (laughs) Winning a title is based on having a very good team and health. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I can't can't disagree with that. And also what's going on with the other teams around you, I think, is is an important factor as well. The year, the first year the Warriors won the title, I think they faced, like, uh, injured Chris Paul, Clippers team. Um, They faced Cleveland with – what was it Kevin Love was out with a dislocated shoulder or elbow from that play by shoulder. Kelly Olynyk? Yeah, shoulder. Uh, Kyrie Irving had like a broken kneecap. Yeah. So yeah. sometimes it's not always just what's going on with your team. Yeah. Definitely. And I'm not taking anything away from Golden State because they they won the title. Um, but all I'm saying is is that there are other factors involved. Ivan says, "Can you imagine if we had Luca and we were in the Western Conference Finals?" Talking on the Warriors with Fox and Tyrese in the backcourt, what could have been? I think you're talking about the Kings? Yeah. Oh, what? Ivan, what years did you teach at Davis High? That would have been crazy, and I don't think they would have got Tyrese if we had Luka. Um, but, yeah, I, I dream about it every day, what it would have been like to have Luka Doncic on the Kings. <laughs> he was the guy I wanted. I I honestly thought he was going to go number one overall after the Suns just hired his uh, – his coach is their head coach, but they took Aiden. Um, I wanted Doncic, but at the same time, when I was watching the college season the year before, I was like, this dude, Marvin Bagley, is incredible. I didn't even think the Kings were going to have a shot at getting Marvin Bagley. Then they end up winning the number two seed in the draft lottery. I wasn't angry about the Bagley pick. I wasn't. I wanted Doncic, but I wasn't angry at it. Um and I guess I'll never be angry. It's just unfortunate when you look around that, you know. Are you sure? The top You're not five. Angry? Uh, maybe I am a little <laughs> angry. Uh, I'm trying to talk myself down. But uh, the top five picks in that draft, every one of them succeeded except for Marvin Bagley. Uh, hopefully it just takes him a little bit longer because I still do root for Marvin. Kawhi was looking like the best player in the NBA before tearing his Achilles last postseason. I mean – yeah, but what does that mean? Oh, he says ACL. Guys, guys, they get injured. They get older. It's tough to come back. It really is. All right. Oh, man, Phoenix, I haven't even seen the all-NBA teams, actually. So I, I would. I got to look that, that up. I'll have an answer for you tomorrow. Techno says, if the Kings, or if it can't be the Kings, which team – would you want to get the number one overall pick? And we're talking uh, between Houston, the, Orlando, the Bulls, but they're not Detroit, the Oklahoma City, uh, Indiana, Portland, New Orleans, San Antonio, Washington, New York, Charlotte, Cleveland. Um, it, it doesn't really matter to me, to be honest. I love Damian Lillard. He's yeah. probably one of my favorite players in the league, so I'd probably go I, with I would like to see them be good. I think they probably have a good chance at 
rebuilding a team into a, a playoff contender this off season. So if they're able to get the first pick, obviously that really, really helps. Yep. What's, what high school? We went to Davis High. Yep. I taught at Davis High and Davis Summer School for years. 97 to 99. Summer School till 2006. World History. Okay. The Library Arcade. All right. I think I did Summer School once. I think I was at Davis High 2002. Three to two thousand five, something like that. Two thousand two, two thousand five. I did 2004. one. Two thousand four, two thousand three. We were at Holmes. Oh, right? two thousand four. I did one summer school class at uh, what was the other school? The other school? I yeah. don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't remember. It's a long I, time. I ago. unfortunately didn't attend class very often in high school. Sorry, mom. Sorry, dad. But. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Thoughts on the All-NBA team? We'll get back to you on that. He says, Luka, Booker, Tatum, Giannis, Jokic, Steph, Jaw, DeMar, KD, Joel is the second team. Yeah, I mean. So look, many good it, players. Yeah, now. this it's kind of like the MVP race, right? Like everybody has a different opinion on it. There's no way you can look at any of those guys and say they're not deserving of being on a team. The, the question is, you know, should – and B be on first team and Emerson Jokic be on second team or I don't know like it, it's all it's all picking drawing straws to me like they're, they're all great players yeah yeah Emerson I but that was junior high um I did one year or one summer of summer school at Emerson and I remember we were riding the bus back and some dude was like smoking weed in the back of the bus and they had to pull the bus over, and they, like, arrested him. Wow. And it was like, wow. Now you look back, and the government's selling weed. It's <laughs> crazy. All right, any other questions, guys, before we wrap it up? We appreciate you guys. We appreciate all your questions. Uh, we'll be here for a few more minutes. And like I said, we'll be back tomorrow for another episode and also on Royal Rebounds for uh, – king's draft lottery i'm rocking my king shirt i got my royal rebounds shirt on i don't know if you guys have seen this one. Oh, try and show it it's got a custom royal rebounds pocket it's all purple check out royalrebounds.com if you're interested someone's saying they want the san antonio spurs to get the top pick um because they have a great great developmental system yeah i mean spurs are are Awesome franchise. Great, greatly run franchise. And we'll see what happens with uh, Popovich. Who was your MVP pick, Calvin? Honestly, I was really split all year. Um, I think the first half of the season I was all in on Embiid. But Jokic, the way that he finished the year, just the numbers are so eye-popping. Um the fact that he he dragged that team to the playoffs by himself basically I, i'm i'm really torn like I, both of those guys are very very deserving in my opinion if i had to vote i probably would have voted Embiid but jokic was incredible all year yeah yeah it's hard for me to choose i don't remember exactly which uh cop arrest, arrested him 
Um, I did not play basketball in high school. I was playing soccer and working a bunch. But Calvin, what position did you play? I was a shooting guard. Shooter. My 2K build was probably a uh, slasher, slasher, I would say. And uh, the funny thing is, you know, Calvin and I, we, we need to play more. Uh, last year we were playing a bunch of basketball. The pandemic kind of slowed us down as far as, like, they closed the gym, the indoor gym, so we had to play outside a bunch. We want to continue to play. But it's funny, everyone here is short. So <laughs> Calvin and I play center uh, when we play here. Yeah, it's the most boring game you've ever played. It's you just stand in the. They play two three zone also in yeah, pickup basketball, yeah. so you end up just standing underneath the basket on defense until somebody jacks up a three, and then uh, yeah, yeah, it's not very fun. Yeah, I mean, we're like the twin towers out there. We get rebounds, <laughs> we shoot threes, and uh, thanks for the shout out, Mike. We do. Have I was a good okay. Time. I was okay. Is is dope at basketball? Not was. Not Wes. All right, speaking of 2K, I just realized my game is done updating. Hope you all have a good rest of your day. Yeah, Phoenix, thank you for joining us. Uh, yeah, thanks for all your comments, man. We're going to be doing some 2K rebuilds this offseason as well, so if you have any that you'd like to see, just let us know. Uh, you could either comment it in this video or let us know in tomorrow's chat. Let's wrap it up here, Calvin. Anything else you want to say before we end the show? Thanks for watching. We'll see you all tomorrow. Yeah, thank Big you guys. Big day tomorrow, all you Kings fans out there. Thank you guys so much. Please hit that like button. Please hit that subscribe button. Please share this video with all your basketball friends. You guys have a wonderful Monday. Enjoy yourself. There's no basketball today. Nothing to stress about. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow uh, live here on the show and also on Royal Rebounds for the Draft Lottery. Go Kings!